Come on, give Jesus the best hand clap ever. Come on. Come on, that's not good enough. Come on, give Jesus your best. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thank you very much. Come on, give somebody a high five next to you. You may be seated. Come on, look at them and tell them, looks like you've been losing a little weight. Come on, tell them, tell them. Come on, tell them. Look like you've been losing weight. You look good. That's my favorite thing to hear from somebody. It's never true, but I love hearing it. Praise God. It's awesome. I'm from South Louisiana. We think eating is a spiritual gift. Come on, somebody. Yeah. I set a goal at the beginning of this year. You know, I always do New Year's resolutions, and one of my New Year's resolutions was to lose 20 pounds over the course of 2016. That's, that's very doable, I thought. You know, a reasonable goal. Guys, I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled to report here I am in May, and I only have 30 pounds to go. Come on, somebody. So... I'm close. I'm right there. Praise God. It's good to see y'all. What a joy. What a joy it is to be at Victory, everybody. Yeah. And, and, I, and I know you may not know me, but I know you. Um, my, my home church, Bethany World Prayer Center uh, in Baton Rouge, Pastor Larry Stockstill, still my pastor. And yeah, I know a bunch of you guys love him. And uh, your founding pastor and, and, and he have been close friends uh, there, you know, for a long, long time. And so I know of you and, and, and feel, I feel like, actually, I feel like we're, we're family already. It's all right, we just kind of be family, everybody. Can I come into the Victory family today? Is that all right? And, um, and so I don't want to be a guest speaker. I'm, I want to I be here, just be a part, part of you and just know that I love you and just so thrilled at what God's doing here. And I want to give uh, honor to this great church and to Pastor Sharon. Thank you so much. What an honor it is to be on this stage. And, yeah, and... Pastor Paul and Ashley, I'm, I'm, and I mean this from the bottom of my heart, I'm not just saying this, um, I'm blown away by, at, at the maturity and the leadership at such a young age. Dude, you're doing it. You're doing an incredible, incredible job. Come on, show him some love, everybody. Ashley, you're amazing. I mean it. We went out to eat with them last night, and man, they're fun. My God in heaven, we had, we had the best time e ever, and uh, it's just awesome. So I am here with my wife uh, uh, this past Tuesday, 30 years married, everybody. I know, pretty awesome. I know it's blowing your mind, because I look about 35, isn't that right? Y'all just thinking, my God, they got married young. And uh, we have five kids, everybody, and, uh, and I know that's a lot. I realize that. Somebody, somebody always reacts, woo, five, wow. Because it's just crossed that line where that's a lot of kids, you know. And, and I realized that. I had a guy stop me in California. I was speaking at a conference. He said, man, five kids. You must really like kids. I said, no, I don't. I really like my wife. Come on, somebody. So I wanted two. <laughs> she wanted three. We had five. Praise God. So y'all need to bring me back for your marriage conference. I got stuff to say. Come on, y'all. So. And then you need to know, I, even though my church is in Alabama, I, I'm a Cajun, everybody, all right? So I'm from South Louisiana, all right? <laughs> so let me just tell you what that means, all right? That means you may not learn nothing, but we're going to have a good time, all right? So we, as we Cajuns say, we're going to pass a good time. It's going it's to be awesome. There are nine reality shows on television right now about people, people from Louisiana, right now. And it's not because they're smart, it's because they're fun, all right? So we're going to have a good time. I believe you ought to have a good time in church. The Bible says a merry heart does good like a medicine. So you're going you're gonna to get a little dose of some laughter and some medicine today in Jesus' name. And everybody said a good amen? amen. All right. Are you ready to study the Bible, yes or no, yeah? 
All right, so why don't you open your Bibles or your iPhones or your iPads or your eyelids, whatever you got, all right? So to um, John chapter 4, John chapter 4. Come on now, all right, I like that. I like, I'm going to teach my church to do that, I like that. Um, John chapter 4, let me set the story up. In fact, the setup of the story is usually the part that preachers preach. It's the story of the woman at the well where Jesus and the disciples are separated for a little bit. Um, they, uh, I think they went on an errand or something. The Bible really doesn't say, but Jesus is one of the rare occasions where he's by himself. He's thirsty, goes over to a, a water well, and a woman walks up, a Samaritan woman, and Jesus strikes up a conversation. Now, in that culture, you would not do that for two reasons. One is men didn't talk to women. They, they actually considered themselves so superior that it would be really beneath them to talk to a woman. Jesus smashes right through that gender barrier. Can I hear a good amen? amen. And then you wouldn't, a Jew didn't talk to a Samaritan. They, just, they didn't like each other. There were racial tensions. And praise God, Jesus smashes right through the racial tensions. And uh, that's just the kind of God he is. So he's talking to her, and he says to her, hey, are you married? And she goes, no. And then he starts, he actually reads her mail. Man, he, he prophesies to her. And he says, you're right, you're not married. Uh, you actually have had five husbands already, and the guy you're shacking up right now with is not your husband. And she goes, how in the world did you know that? The Bible says it this way, sir, I perceivest thou to be a prophet. And, um, <laughs> and so she realizes he couldn't know that unless God had told him. So she realizes she may be talking to God. And so she obviously has this amazing encounter with Jesus. And he goes on and ministers to her and says, I'll give, I'll give you water where you never thirst again. And you guys know that part of the story. Then it picks up with this in verse 27. It says, just then the disciples returned and they were surprised to find him talking to a woman for the reasons that I already told you, the two reasons, gender and race. They were, so I want you to picture the scene. The Bible can, needs to come alive in your minds. You gotta read the Bible. Hey, everybody, the Bible's amazing. Why, why do drugs when you can do scripture? Come on, somebody, all right? <laughs> Just, it's, it's really amazing, but you gotta kind of bring your mind there, okay? And, and so they're walking up from the air and, my goodness, he's, what is he doing? He's talking to that woman, you know? So they're surprised to find him talking to the woman. Then John does something you never do when you tell a story. Now I want you to catch this because it's important. Because this is a detail in scripture that almost everybody reads by and I've never heard anybody preach on it. Now I'm not saying I'm the only one that ever has, I just have never heard it. But there's not one single detail in scripture that's there by accident, not one. And so, so John writes something, now listen to me, he's telling a story, can, imagine yourself writing a story, and now he's gonna mention things that didn't happen. So when you're writing a story, you don't write down things that didn't happen, unless after the story's over, you wish they would have happened. There's regret. So he's writing his gospel under, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, wishing these next two things happened, because they didn't. So he says in his gospel, he says, but no one asked Jesus, Lord, what do you want? Which is honestly just cur called courtesy. Anytime you walk up to anybody that you, you're trying to honor, like I'm not, even, I'm not even close to Jesus or God, and your team here at the church has asked me that a thousand times. Pastor Chris, can I get you anything? Need something to drink? You want it hot? You want it cold? You want a mint? How about a Tic Tac? You want gum? Can I get you a cookie, a muffin? Are you hungry? Are you thirsty? I mean like, hey, I'm great. You know, like, they have taken care of me. Your team has done a good job. That's just called courtesy. And John says, no one, no one did that. No one asked him, Lord, what do you want? So that's just rude. I mean, they're, they're the disciples, and, and John wishes they would have. 
And then he also says, and then no one asked, why were you talking to that woman? Now listen to me, if you're the, if you're the student, you're the disciple, and he's the teacher, he's the rabbi, and you see something you don't understand, you ask. <laughs> and no one did that. And John's going, and that was, boy, we, 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 we really missed it that day when we didn't care about what Jesus needed and we we're there to serve him and we didn't ask him things we didn't understand. We just didn't do that and boy, I wish we would have. No one asked him that. And he goes on to say, and then while these things are not happening, then leaving her water jar, the woman goes back to her town and, and when I say town, the town's not another city, the town's around the corner because all this is gonna happen in a matter of minutes. So it'd be like going to the university there. It's just, she just goes, goes to her village and she tells the town people in her little village, hey, come see a man who read my mail. He told me everything that I ever did in my life. Could this be the Christ? Could this be the Messiah we've been all waiting for for centuries? Could, could this be the one? So it gets the attention of the town. Now watch the next verse. And it says, and they, the town, came out of the town to that well where Jesus was. So I want you to picture it, like picture in your mind 200 people led by a woman crossing uh, South Lewis right now. They, like, hey, something's going on over at Victor. Like, so I want you to picture that, just this pile. There he is. Come over here. Here he is in the town. Now, the next verse takes a turn. <laughs> I see, I have a sense of humor, so I, I read humor in, into a lot of things. And you're, you're my, you might not think the next verse is funny. I think it's hilarious. Because this, the whole town's coming out to see Jesus, and the disciples can see it. And the next line says, meanwhile, <laughs> thank you, some of you are ahead of me, you saw the verse, right? <laughs> Me meanwhile, the disciples said, hey, Rabbi, let's go to P.F. Chang's, let's go get something to eat. <laughs> now, look, you can look at me and tell, tell I like food, all right? <laughs> I, I, I'm ready to go to lunch with the best of them, all right? But there's, there's a good time and a bad time, and this was a bad time, why? Because the whole town's coming out. <laughs> like. So the disciples are, watch this, they're so missing it, they're, listen to me, they're so missing the moment. There's a complete disconnect between what Jesus is seeing, what they're seeing, that they in the middle of that moment say, hey, let's go get something to eat. So Jesus does what he often does because he's a teacher, and that is if you bring up a topic, he'll use that topic as a metaphor to teach a spiritual truth. He was the master of parables and pictures. So he, they, they bring up lunch, so he uses the lunch metaphor and says, no, 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 guys. My, he says, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. And what he was saying, you're spiritual people, y'all are Christian, come on. You know, you know, no, guys, lunch for me would be to reach this town. That would be a good meal for me. That's what he's saying. But they didn't see that. You know what the next line says? They, they, the disciples then said to each other, did he already eat and didn't take us? I mean, come on. Okay, y'all are seeing it. See, y'all are the best servers so far because you see the humor there, all right? Because that's hilarious. I don't care what y'all say. That's funny. Did he, did, but, did you go with, well, you were supposed to wait till we got back from the errand. You know, that's how, they're still missing it even though he just, he just as we Cajuns say, he just explained it to them. Come on, somebody, right? So Jesus tries round number two with the whole food metaphor, and he says, no, 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 guys. My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish the, say the last word, finish his work. No, no, there's a time to go to lunch, and there's a time to work. And guys, this is the time to get to work. 
And then he says the classic verse that I didn't know till last night. I preached this message last night at the first service and Pastor Shan came to me and Pastor Paul said, that was, that was dad's verse. That was, this, is, this next line is what Pastor Billy Joe, I mean, he lived, he believed. He goes, you know, I, I'm here to finish the work. He says, you keep saying, do you not have a saying that says, no, nah, we can harvest another day. Four months more, then we'll get out there and get all those fields. Well, then we'll harvest. You keep saying, let's put it off. You keep wanting to procrastinate the harvest. He says, but I say, I tell you, say the next three words out loud. I tell you, open. Now every voice say it. Come on, full, not golf tournament level. Here we go, one more time. I tell you, open. Yeah, hey guys, see it. See it. Don't you see it? Pastor has been leading us through a series of messages. Can't, can you see it? Can you see it? See, let me tell you something about the eyes. I, there are scriptures about the eyes all throughout the Bible. All, why? Because these, these are massive. In fact, Jesus says the eye is the lamp of your entire body. What goes into here is, is, is dictating everything. But here's what I've learned about eyes. These aren't your real eyes. You don't look through these. You have a set of eyes here. Paul prayed in Ephesians 1, he says, I pray that the eyes of your heart be enlightened. So your real eyes are hard eyes. And that's why, listen to me, church, that's why we can all see the same thing and all see something differently. Why? Because we're, all, we're seeing it through a filter of our past experiences, good or bad, by the way. So you've had church experiences, so you're seeing your church, this, this church right now, through the filter of your past church experiences. You, 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 you're seeing life through the filter of your relationships, your wounds, your hurts, your, your experiences. You're seeing through that, and that's why a whole town could come out to want to meet Jesus, and the disciples miss it and want to go to lunch. And that's why Jesus says, your problem is you're not seeing right. Open your eyes, look at the fields, they're ripe for harvest. You got to see it the way I see it. Here's my prayer for you today. It's very simple. And that is that we need to see Tulsa. We need to see America. We need to see the world the way Jesus sees it. And I'm not convinced that we do. In fact, I want to be so bold to say that I think we are actually what I call spiritually nearsighted. I'm actually nearsighted, <laughs> like physically, really. Um, I, you can see I wear glasses. I'm, I'm kind of new to glasses. I'll be 53 in a, in a, in a couple of weeks. Um, but I had perfect eyesight for 46 years of my life. I could see a freckle on a gnat. I mean, I had real good eyes, you know. And, and, um, and then all of a sudden, I didn't notice it because I, I, don't, I still don't need glasses to read. I, I can see the dust on my iPad. I mean, I, mean, I just don't, I don't. So you don't notice it when, when you don't have any of these issues. But at, little by little, my, my, the, the distance stuff started blurring completely. Like I can't, all I see is a blur of color right now. Um, and I was actually at a football game with my sister and she saw me squinting to see the names of my boys who were playing football, the jerseys and the numbers. And she hands me her glasses. She goes, put this on. And I go, oh, my God, my, 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 my world came in high def again. You know, I just could see. And um, so I went to the eye doctor, and I'd never been to the eye doctor before. So I didn't know what to expect. And it's really strange. I want you, so if you've never been, I'm, I'm getting ready to, I'm going to help you out. You, you're going to get God's word and a little help on eye exams right here. Okay, I'm going I'm to, because I'm going to tell you, they do. You go in there because you can't see, and they blind you all the more. I mean, they put stuff in your eye. You can't, uh, so, uh, you know, I can't see nothing. It really, and then, and then they blow. He blew error in my eyeball. Come on, you eye people, you know what I'm talking about? That's like glaucoma check. 
And like, he didn't warn, like, warn a brother first, you know, before you start blowing him in the eyeball there. And, they, and then they make you, they get you to make decisions. They put stuff on you like, okay, A or B, B or A, A, B, B, B or A, A, B. Like, slow down. I don't know. It's one. No, it's two. It's two, one, one, two. I forget. Slow, you know, you just don't know. You gotta get, I was under pressure. I couldn't, I couldn't decide. And then he gets real close. Like, dude, get a tic-tac or back up. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's, he's right there. And anyway, he goes out and he, um, and he says, he says, uh, we got you figured out. I said, awesome. He said, um, you're nearsighted. So I'm like, no, 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 no. I got all the near stuff. I got far issues. My issues are all out there. And see, so you eye people are laughing because you know it's the only medical profession that names your condition for what you're good at. <laughs> That'd be like your arm being broken. He says, well, your legs work. I mean, you don't do that. It's backwards. And by the way, if you're in that field, you're in, in optometry, I, I'm on a mission to change that. Y'all have it backwards. That's not the way, you name the problem, not the good, anyway. So he goes, no, no, that's what we call it. I was like, well, that's backwards, but okay. So we leave, we leave, and, the, and you know, I'm, I'm from South Louisiana. I, I need the cookies on the bottom shelf. You know, I'm a simple guy, you know, and, and, um, and the Holy Spirit speaks to me in a very simple way and says, you know, that, that's not only your spiritual condition, but it's also the spiritual condition of the church. And that is, we're, we're nearsighted. So when you're nearsighted, you just see stuff that's close to you. And you're only concerned about, you only feel responsible for that which you can see. So since I can't see you, I don't really have to worry about you. Because I can't see you. So I just focus on me. In fact, in the church, and it's honestly, it's not even just the church, it's human nature, there's a gravitational pull to selfishness. You, you leave it alone. You, le you leave us alone. I mean, you go look at any baby. Like, they're born with it. Mine, mine, mine. You don't have to teach them that word. They know it. <laughs> because we're all born. Our sin nature, listen to me, church. Our sin nature is selfish. So if you leave it alone, there'll be a gravitational pull to selfishness. Now, check it out. This part might, might hurt your feelings, and you don't have to invite me back. That's okay. Okay, but it is true. And that is, by and large, the church is selfish. We create experiences that we like that lost people don't get, so we, they don't come and we don't care. Yeah, so, so we'd rather just do stuff that's good for us. We'd rather go to lunch, and Jesus cares more about the lost town. In fact, spiritual nearsightedness has three characteristics. The first is, is that you're blind, you actually are blinded by your own needs. So here's how it plays out. I'll just tell you how it plays out of me. So this is my prayer life. Lord, I love you. Me, my, my, me, my, my kids, my kids, my car, my life, my house, my world, my, me, my, my, give me this day, my daily, my, me. <laughs> and, um, and that's just not the world. That is so short-sighted. That is just so what I see until I open my eyes. And then I look, wow, there's a bigger world. In fact, you can tell if you're spiritually nearsighted by your prayers. And here's, here, let me just answer this question. If God answered all your prayers, would it change the world or just change you? Yeah, so for the large part of my Christian life, if he answered all my prayers, it just would make my life better. It wouldn't make anybody else's life better. <laughs> that's, that's not good. And that's why we have to be reminded. That's why the disciples... If the disciples who lived with Jesus needed this message, do you think we could need it? Yeah, I think, I think, it's, I think there's a chance that we could need it too. You, you also know, secondly, that, that 
that if you're spiritually nearsighted, and that is you're in, you get insulated and you forget about the needs of others. So, especially with those of us who call ourselves Americans. Amer the American Christian, we have the best of the best. We're saved, we're going to heaven. We have the best auditoriums, we have the best air conditioning, we live in the best country on the planet. We have everything, we, have, we will get 30 different choices of lunch just driving down two miles of highway. Like we have the best of everything and that is awesome, to God be the glory, unless we experience it so much that we forget that right now there's a girl in Amsterdam who will be used for the 20th time today in that brothel. Yeah, she's there. It's really happening. And, and that there's a, there's a family, I've seen this now. There's a family one mile across the American border in Juarez, Mexico, living in a refrigerator box. No, that's really, ha like it's, they live there right now. I've, I've seen it. And every time I go see it, I remember. And honestly, when I go, I, I discipline myself to go to somewhere around the world that just shows me that there are people who have it worse than me just to remind me. Because if I don't, I'll just start building the church around everything our church needs. And every time I do, it's like, okay, we're selling everything and we're gonna, right? Because you care again, because you saw it again. Open your eyes. We can't get so insulated that we forget about the needs of others. Can I hear a better amen, somebody? We can't. So don't sit back. I'm not trying to be ugly. I'm just trying to be real, okay? So don't sit there in that comfortable chair and like enjoy it, but don't forget. Y'all do know you have the most comfortable chairs in church world, right? <laughs> I sat down there. I was, Pastor Paul was leading the service, you know, talking about Memorial Day. I'm, I'm sitting back there thinking, brother, take your time. I'll stay right here. You know, like, this is good stuff. Praise God for it. But don't forget. Third characteristic of a spiritually nearsighted person is that we get away from the heart of the one we serve. Now, whether you like this or not, and it may hurt your feelings, and honestly, just, you're just gonna have to deal with it. Jesus loves you, but he's not thinking about you as much as he, you think he is. Because the Bible is clear that he is distracted, not by his found kids, but by his lost ones. Like his eye, go read Luke 15. For emphasis purposes, there are three parables in the same chapter, and anytime you see that in Scripture, it's because the Holy Spirit's trying to emphasize a big deal. Lost sheep, lost coin, lost son. And all three of the stories, the moral of the story is they would leave the found things to go find the lost thing. You're just, if you've ever lost something of value to you, you've ever lost your keys or your wallet, when you've lost it, you don't think about any of your found things. So like when you're looking, for, where, honey, where am I, where am I, where, where's my wallet? You see my wallet? When you're doing that, you don't think, well, there's my couch. You, know, like you don't do that. Because you don't care about your found things. You only think about, where, 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 is, where is it at? I actually lost one of my five kids once. And uh, <laughs> it's funny now. And it was not funny that day. We were on vacation. My youngest of my five kids is on the autism spectrum. Pretty high functioning. And by the way, thank you for your vision uh, to meet special need, the needs of special needs families. And because and, let, let me tell you, it's huge. It's huge. No, it's really huge. And thank you for that vision. I think, thank you for investing in it, church. That's, 
you have no idea because there are families like mine who just can't go to church. You can't. You can't, you can't bring them. They can't function in those environments. And so I, 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 you'll, you'll never know how many people you'll reach because of that. And so anyway, Joseph, we were, we're, at, we're, we were actually in a, uh, we were on a ski trip in Colorado. And, um, and on the last day, we're with two other families. We're just gonna spend a day just hanging out in the village. In fact, I brought a picture of the village. We went into that Starbucks right there on the left. And so there's like 20 of us. And so Joseph goes into the bathroom and didn't tell us. So we came out of the Starbucks and then we just went right into that marble slab creamery. We were gonna eat our way down the street. Come on, somebody. <laughs> and so, so we go in there. And so when Joseph comes out of the Starbucks bathroom, he didn't see us. He goes the other way. Well, he can't talk well. He couldn't at all at that age. And um, we lived there. Tammy and I lived there seven years. Um, it was pretty, it, it wasn't the safest place in the world. In fact, we had a girl in our neighborhood at 15 years old abducted from her home before her parents came home. When she got home from school, before they came home from work, and they found her dental remains on a satanic altar in the mountains of Colorado. Like kidnapping for that purpose was pretty was common anyway. I don't know if it's huge, but it's common. Well, my brain goes there. Somebody stole my son. I'll never see him again. I'm freaking out. And I can't even, I, I, I've, I've tried to tell the panic that I felt that day. I can't do it. I'm freaking out. And there's never a moment when you're looking for your lost kid like that, there's never a moment that you, that you think about the other four. Like there was, I, I never thought, huh, I got four others, 80% ain't bad. You know, you don't think that. <laughs> you just don't. In fact, we just all went, pew, went in all these different directions looking for Joseph. Almost like we had pre-planned it. And, and all of a sudden, everybody left, just boom. I find a security guard leaning up against a building. He's got a gun and a radio. And I'm like, sir, sir, you gotta help me find, my, you gotta help me find my son. He didn't even flinch. He never unfolded his arms. He said, did you look the last place you saw him? Can I confess my sins in church today, everybody? <laughs> I was not the nicest person right, th right, right then. Because something of value to me was missing. I said, man, you're the one with the radio, help me. I was irritated by his inactivity. And I wonder, I just wonder if the Lord ever gets irritated by our inactivity because something of value is missing to him. I just wonder. And I, and if one of my kids would have come up to me during that time and said, Daddy, 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 what's for dinner tonight? Are you serious? That's the prayer you're gonna pray? That's the request you have right now? I mean, it's a good one, but not now. And I wonder what our prayers sound like to God. I mean, I'm happy to answer that prayer request, but seriously, that's the prayer you're gonna pray right now? It changed me. I'm just gonna tell you it changed me. Joseph found us bawling his eyeballs out, ran to me, threw his arms around me. Daddy, where were you? I was looking for you. Guys, it just messed me up. And I'll never be the same. And I just became a different pastor that day. And I told the Lord that I would, I would, I would, we would do in our church anything short of sin to reach people. 
Like, like, even if we have to give up stuff that we've grown to love in church that the lost people just don't get, I'm fine. We'll, we'll, look, look, I'm going to heaven. I don't have to have everything fit me. We're gonna figure out a way, and that's why, you wanna know why so many people come to Christ? Because I came back from that trip saying, no, 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 we are gonna reorganize ourselves in a way to recapture what I think is the true heart of God, by the way, which also, let me just say, I think is the true purpose of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you so that you can be my witnesses. People think that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is for your personal entertainment. No, it's not. It's not so you can get some Holy Ghost goosebumps and go, whoo, presence of God is so sweet today. No, you're supposed to leave here empowered so you can go change the world, everybody. That's why the last part of the day of Pentecost story is, and about 3,000 got saved in one day. That's the purpose of the Holy Spirit is evangelism. So I'm fired up about it, and I've asked God to pour out a fresh evangelistic anointing on Victory Church. I've asked God on every one of us as individuals that we capture the heart of God once again. So I personally lead our membership class at Church of the Highlands, and I tell the Joseph story, and I basically, here's what I say. I say, say um, if, if you're looking for a church that's just good for you, you're gonna hate it here. It's like, I'm gonna do everything we can to meet your needs, but it's not about you. We're gonna reach the people in Alabama. And if you don't like that, you're gonna hate it here. Like, if you hate traffic, you'll hate this church, because there's a lot of people coming. It's like if you need a church where there's a good parking spot, there's plenty doing nothing. You can park right up next to the building. You can be right, right there. Because if you love souls, when you're getting a traffic jam coming to church, you'll think, look at the people getting saved. But if you love, your, listen, listen. But if you love yourself, you'll think, oh, my God, they need to do something about the traffic around here. <laughs> open your eyes. Open your eyes. Open your eyes. Open. Come on, you got to see it. So... So I'm going to train you in evangelism in two minutes because <laughs> I, I do that on purpose to show you how easy it is. I teach my church four things. If you're a note taker, jot these down. And that is, well, number one, accept the personal responsibility. So like realize it's not Pastor Paul's job, it's our job. This is like, it's our, like, let me say it this way. The only way Tulsa is going to get saved is you. And God doesn't have a plan B. Like, we are Christ's ambassadors as though he were making his appeal through us. I'm quoting 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Like, we, we're it, and there's not a plan B. Second thing is, you do it by first developing a personal relationship. I always say, connect before you correct. Always connect. Like, I can spank my kids. You can't spank my kids. You didn't connect, but you don't love, you didn't, you didn't roll around on the floor with them. They receive it from me because they know I love them. Too many Christians are trying to correct before they connect. No, you develop a personal relationship first. I've gotten more people interested in Jesus by giving them Tammy's famous chocolate chip cookies. Can I get a better amen somebody? <laughs> when I was a youth pastor, I used to invite kids over, teenagers over. Come, just come eat the best chocolate chip cookie you ever had. I had one girl after four months of chocolate chip cookies, she said, when are you going to tell me about Jesus? <laughs> I don't know. I was kind of waiting until you're ready. I don't think you are. Well, I am. She was talking me into leading her to Christ. Come on, somebody. <laughs> and I didn't do it through a sound theology because I was able to explain just, no, chocolate chip cookies. Just go ahead and put that in your theology, chocolate chip cookies. 
Third thing is, look for an opportunity to share your story. It's the best evangelism advice I'll ever give you. Our job's not to tell people what's wrong with them. It's to tell them the difference Jesus made in us. Big difference. When you're a witness, a witness just tells their side of the story. So our message is not turn or burn. <laughs> or as they say in Alabama, you're going to hell. Or really, in Alabama, it's two syllables. You're going to hell. That's where you're going. You're going to hell. <laughs> no. Our message is, can I tell you the difference Jesus made in me? My life's not perfect, but it's so much better. That's our message. Let your light, Matthew 5, let your light shine in front of men that they see your good works and they'll glorify your God in heaven. So you're supposed to show up at work tomorrow going, Woo! Great day to be alive! Everybody else has got the Monday morning blues. What is up with you, dude? I had the most amazing time yesterday in church. You, you, gotta, you, gotta, you gotta come see. You, you, that's our job. And finally, after you do those three things, you look for an opportunity to give a personal invitation. If to Christ, if you know how, and if you don't know how, get, make the invitation to church. So just listen to me. You are doing yourself a disservice by not having at least one Sunday a year a lost person sitting next to you in church. You, trust me. Have you ever, when, think about the last time you've had a lost person sitting next to you. you it, it changes the whole way. Like you're, you're thinking, Pastor Paul better get it right today. Oh my God, I got my friend here. You're like, you care. You care. I can't believe they sang that song. Oh, I want a different song. Like you care about everything now. Cause, right, come on, get honest. I like it. I tell my staff, Pastor Paul, I, make, I tell all my staff, say, say, we can ensure that church stays the way it should when all you guys who work here have lost people coming to church. Because then you care about everything. You, you really do. Because your friend's there. And then I tell my church, I say, get a lost person sitting next to you. And when I say every head bowed, every eye closed, I'm giving you permission to peek. So you can head bow, one eye closed. See what your friend's gonna do. <laughs> when their hand goes up and tears come down their face, you'll say this was your favorite service ever at Church of the Highlands. And you will too. Open your eyes. So I'm just gonna be very honest with you. I'm selfish. I'm not saying this for sermon purposes. Man, I'm good at me. I, there's a, I really am. You leave me alone, I'm gonna take care of me. So I'm flying to go speak at a church in Boston. I get on Birmingham to Cincinnati, Cincinnati to Boston. I get on the Cincinnati flight. My travel companion did not get the chair next to me. He ended up in a different seat. And so I've got this empty seat next to me and, I'm, and I've gotta land and speak. So I'm thinking, I need to get, I need to catch a little nap. But I'm thinking... It, I need to go ahead and get a nap posture before this person comes or they'll talk to me and I won't ever get the nap. Isn't that really spiritual? Praise God. All right, so, so I'm, in, I'm in fake nap posture so that the, the person who comes leaves me alone. And so, so the guy comes and he, and he throws, I know it's him because he throws his newspaper in, in, in the seat and he's putting his stuff in the overhead bin and then he takes his coat off and he flips it over his shoulder and he hits me upside the head with it. I know. And so, 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 uh, so I didn't want to do anything because or he'll talk to me. So I just stayed there. And I'd already claimed like my half of the shared armrest, right? <laughs> and so he plops down and pushes my arm off the armrest. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so, and so, I, you know, I'm thinking, I got to let him know that's rude. 
but I don't want to wake up and talk to him or he'll talk. So, I, so but I had to, so I'm like, <laughs> like that, I know, real spiritual. I'm, I'm embarrassed to share this, actually. And so the plane takes off, and he elbows me real hard in my ribs, just goes, boom. And I sit up, and he goes, he says, so what do you do for a living? And when you're a pastor, you got to decide if you're going to lie or not. I mean, you do. I just, I'm just telling you the truth. Anyway, so I said, well, I'm a pastor. And he starts bawling, not, not crying, not tears, wailing. Oh! It's just, uh, I, and I'm, 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 I'm embarrassed to tell you what I'm going to tell you, but my next thought was, oh, man, there goes the nap counseling session. All right, what's the problem? You know, like, I know, I'm embarrassed, I'm, but it's, it's what happened. I said, all right, bro, what's the deal? What can I pray with you about? And, and um, like, I'm never going to get this nap. And so anyway, and he just buried his best friend in Cincinnati, 55 years old, had a massive heart attack, died unexpectedly. I'm never going to see him again. Ah! I mean, he's really, it was really over-the-top grief, actually. If I'm honest with you, I've seen a lot of it. It was, it was too much. And, um, and so I know he's lost. You can only grieve that bad if you never see people again. And I said, I said you're grieving this hard because you never get to see him again. I said, the Bible says, and he goes, no, 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 don't go there. I said, why not? He goes, I'm Jewish. I said, well, Jesus was Jewish. He goes, all right, go ahead. I mean, that happened just like, <laughs> I am not making that up, I promise you. <laughs> and he said, I said, well, the Bible says, this is 1 Thessalonians 4, that we grieve, Christians grieve, but not like this. We don't grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. And he said, well, how do you get the hope? <laughs> I mean, he teed it up for me. If you can't hit that, you can't play. You know what I'm saying? I mean, hmm, it's right there in my face. You know, like, all right. So I said, well, and I explained the gospel to him all the way to Boston, the plane lands, and I'm thinking, I wasn't even thinking about closing the deal. I, I, I actually thought my job was to get him on third base. Somebody else will bat him in later. You know, like he's really close. So we're, I, I said, all right, Billy, it was good talking to you. We're, we're, he, he goes, no, you gotta, I gotta get the hope. I'm like, well, bro, you're gonna have to confess Jesus as your Lord. He goes, I'm ready. I said, here? You really wanna do it here? He talked me into it. I'm like, all right. And I mean, right there, hundreds of people at Logan International, we joined hands, and Billy from Boston prayed to receive Jesus, and then he went, he went like this, he goes, in Jesus' name, amen. <gasps> I have the hope. I said, I told you. He goes, he goes, man, what do I owe you? This is good stuff. You know, like, he grabs his wallet, like, no, man. You, there's a verse that says it's free. I can't charge you. You know, like, this is free stuff. And um, he goes, look, you don't understand. He goes, I, I, I can... I own a chain of toy stores uh, in Boston. I said, well, good. Well, I have five kids. No, I, I didn't say that. I thought it, but I didn't say it. Anyway, I said, no, man, you're not, you're not giving. I don't want anything from you. It's my joy to lead you to Jesus. He goes, as an expression of thanks, can I send your sons some hand-signed baseball cards from Dennis Eckersley? He says, I was, I was in his wedding. I was in Dennis, the great Hall of Fame relief pitcher from the Red Sox. In fact, I brought the card. You want to show, show them the card? That's the card. I said, can I, can I send you these baseball cards? And uh, I said, sure, send me, send me four baseball cards for my sons. And uh, sure enough, the next few days later, I got four hand-signed baseball cards that I've never given to my sons. Ha! So there you go, all right? 
Kind of glad to get that off my chest in church, actually, so it feels good. But anyway, but I filed three, I'm serious, I filed three of them. And I put one on my desk that I see every day to remind me that the nap was good for me, not napping was good for Billy. That lunch was good for the disciples, not going to lunch was good for the town. That church doesn't exist for us, that it exists for the people who are not here yet. It's, it's my constant reminder. So here, here's the, I look at it on my desk and I just pray a, a 10 second prayer. Lord, today, help me not to be selfish. Help me to focus my life not on me, but on others. And may that be the truth of here at Victory and all God's people said a good. Amen. Bow your heads in prayer right there where you are. I'm gonna pray this, Pastor Paul, come. I'm gonna give this service to you. Lord, I pray for an evangelistic anointing on this church. I pray, God, that it not even be the responsibility just of the church, but every one of us in this room take that responsibility for ourselves and God, we're going we're gonna to develop some friends and we're going we're gonna to share some stories and we're going to invite some people and we're going to have the, the, the joy of having a lost person sitting next to us. And God, I pray for scores and scores and scores of people to come to Christ in Tulsa, Oklahoma, America, and literally around the world. God, put us back on mission. We want to have eyes to see what you see, I pray, in Jesus' name. Every head bowed, every eye closed. You're here today, and maybe you're like Billy, and you say, Chris, I don't have the hope. I'm not going to make you stand up or come down to the front right now. I'll let Pastor Paul lead you in a moment. But if you want me to pray for you, you say, Chris, I'm like that. I need that hope. I want you to look at me, wave at me, say, count me in that closing prayer. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Anybody else? Count me in that closing prayer. Yes, yes, yes. I need that hope. I need that hope. Thank you. Anybody else? Count me in. Just give me a little look, a little wave. Thank you, thank you. Anybody else? Good, thank you, sir. God bless you. Anybody else? Just a little look, little wave. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Right over here. Good. Anybody else want to join us? I need that hope. Way at the top. God bless you. Anybody else want to join us? Anybody? Yeah, thank you. Good job. Thank you. Thank you. Good. Anybody else want to join us? Thank you. Church, aloud. Everybody pray this prayer aloud. Everybody join us aloud. Not a soft, aloud. Here we go. Say, Jesus. Thank you for dying on the cross. Paying for my sin. I receive it today. I ask you to forgive me. Come live inside of me. Change me. Today I give you my life. I surrender all. In your name I pray. Amen. Come on, congratulate a bunch of people.